Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thank you for tuning in once again. This edition is made possible by CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to safe and high-quality mobility for all. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. Good morning, and we have something to celebrate. This is episode 300. And you're not sick of me yet? (laughs) Unbelievable. Really? I mean, whatever. (laughs) That's a lot. And we appreciate all of our uh, viewers and listeners who have stuck with us over the years. So Yes, we do appreciate you. And we have more from CES to feature in this episode with help from our friend Ken Pyle at Viodi. But first, we're going to turn to the latest Smart Driving Cars newsletter. Alan, you are just back from an amazing trip to Kenya. And on top in the newsletter is the Matatu local bus system in Nairobi. Tell us about this. Oh, my goodness. You know, uh, it was my first trip to Africa, although I guess I've been to Egypt, but uh, basically um, um, Eastern Africa, and uh, I just had a wonderful trip to Nairobi and the Impala uh, research facility that Princeton is part of, um, about um, 100 miles or so um, uh, north of 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 uh, Nairobi, and uh, had such a wonderful time uh, 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 collecting uh, thing, uh, doing actually assisting in, in some research that's going on there, um, uh, going and 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 collecting um, droppings uh, from giraffes and water and trying to correlate uh, um, uh, various diseases with uh, with the water and and then uh, remotely uh, observing zebras. And basically uh, taking data as to um, uh, what their behavior is. And zebras, I learned, <laughs> all have um, unique stripes, and uh, the belief is that they have unique behaviors. And that, in fact, uh, their trajectories or behavioral trajectories that, that are unique to each of the individuals. So there's some research going on there to bring that together. Plus, in Nairobi, I checked out the the transportation system. Lots of cars, lots of congestion, lots of people walking. Amazing numbers of people walking and walking what looked like not necessarily short distances. And uh, the, the, the mini bus systems that operate in the private sector, each of them are sort of independently owned and operated that provide an enormous amount of mobility uh, to individuals and just had such a wonderful time. Visited um, half a dozen different universities and it was great. And that system is is app-based, I understand, at least for people who have smartphones? There is is an app that that, that does show you, you know, where they go, but I guess people do know it, know the routes, and my goodness, uh, uh, those minibuses are are absolutely chock full, and and, uh, I didn't ride one. I guess I should (laughs) have, but uh, I didn't go that far, but next time, I'll be sure to 
to actually uh, physically uh, ride one. I do link a, a, a video of, of a reporter riding one and talking about it and talking to the operators and, and looking at this basically a, a private transportation system that's embedded in the fabric that provides a great deal of mobility to a lot of folks that a I guess it's now it used to be 30 shillings it's now 50 shillings because of inflation but uh, 50 shillings is like 50 cents uh, a ride and and affordable mobility that it's um, provided there for folks to be able to to improve their quality of life which is the only reason we travel and we travel because we our place time utility is enhanced if we go to the place that we go otherwise we wouldn't go now that the video you link to i think is from jason billum travel i believe yeah. but also i mean you 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 talk about the possibility that you know a system like this if what's planned for for trenton doesn't work out something like this could be some kind of alternative perhaps perhaps but i think uh, i think the, the probably not trenton uh, nairobi is is i, I don't know uh, three million people you know trenton is uh, ninety thousand. Uh, mercer county is what two hundred fifty thousand. so i mean there there's a different scale here uh, so um, that was a little tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> if, if we don't get things the way we want them in Trenton, right? So, okay. The CEO of Mobileye is saying the company will deploy between 100 and 150 robot taxis this year in Israel and in some European cities as well. And this is, uh, I guess, a, a trial of sorts that they're planning. Right, and and I'm assuming uh, I tried to read it a couple of times as to exactly what he said. Is it a total of 100 to 150 of these um, um, uh, driverless vehicles, or is it 100 to 150 per uh, deployment? I I hope it's 100 to 150 per deployment, uh, because as, as sort of that's the the kind of system that we sort of look at, at Trenton for. You know, here this is as we say, ninety thousand population, something like about uh, three hundred. You're uh, um, um, uh, 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 you're gonna have to cut it off. It's a population of about uh, 90,000 and about um, um, uh, 300,000 person trips a day, give or take, that is the total addressable market. And if you take that total addressable market and and if you have an efficient system and given the car ownership and so on that we have in Trenton, we're looking at basically a capture of 10 to 15% of those vehicle trips, of those person trips. And to, to serve uh, 10 to 15% of those person trips, you need a fleet of something like uh, 100 vehicles. Uh, that ends up giving you um, a, a, a ridership on the, on the, on the system that's, that approaches 100 person trips per day. At 100 person trips per day, that is an, a, a substantial number of, of trips on which to distribute the capital cost of the system and the operating costs 
and the fuel costs and, and, and allows one to really uh, have a very affordable system out there. Uh, um, affordable, something that looks like, uh, you know, less than 50 cents per passenger mile type of thing operation. And in that sort of uh, structure, then one can think about uh, really having a fair structure that actually is commensurate with a ridership uh, that is then providing a, a income stream that allows such a system to at least break even, if not make a few dollars or more than a few dollars. And um, that's as a start. As it expands, then, of course, the opportunity to then take the, the fixed costs and spread it out over even a, a larger area, larger market, larger trips, more vehicles, and so on, that allow such systems to have an opportunity to be, have a, economies of scale that allow them to, to run profitably. And as we saw in Nairobi, the only reason the the, the, the minibus systems work is because uh, they are operating in the in the private sector and make are money makers for each of the operators, and so that's why it exists. It's not that it's then subsidized and whatever uh, and put out there. It's because it basically operates on its own bottom. I think the the whole objective of this technology is not that it be subsidized by the public to operate, but that in fact, uh, given the technology and the opportunities for scale economies here, that 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 one gets the scale that these are in fact viable businesses out there that then can provide the mobility and um, provide a return to the operator such that they can go on and operate the ad infinitum. It seems as if Mobileye is one of really just a handful of companies, at least right now, that could really make this happen, right? Yeah, I, I think they can. I think they have to be careful of their operational design domain, just like we've been very careful with the operational design domain of Trenton and not try to do it to be able to go everywhere. Okay, so when one looks at the at the at the personal travel uh, patterns of a particular community, you know, uh, find a part of that market that you can actually do safely technologically now or soon, as opposed to saying, "Hey, yeah, I'm going to try to do everything." Not everybody's going to show up at the beginning. In fact, you're probably begging to have some people show up, but target it and have the marketing and the and and, and the promotional support to a market, and and make that work, and then expand it. And who knows? You know, 50 years from now, maybe they will serve everywhere. But come on, if we if we expect that to happen in the beginning, come on, you know. I'm going back to I'm going back to Nairobi and and go back to, and and go watch some lions, giraffes, and zebras. Got to take me with you if you do that. So, <laughs> our our friend Brad Templeton related to this has a piece in Forbes headlined uh, "This Autonomap 
shows the many places autonomous vehicles are serving the public today. That's the headline. That's in the, the headline. Article, and you in know, the, the article, it says something else. It turns yeah. out that, I mean, it should be the few places. You know, there are really only three in the U.S. The rest is smoke and mirrors. But the article also smoke and mirrors, hopes and prayers. The article also says, though, that mostly autonomous vehicles, and and you point that out. And mostly (laughs) autonomous. What the heck's that? That's until you get to autonomous, you don't get the benefit, the fundamental benefit of being able to remove the labor costs. If you can't remove the labor costs, there's nothing here. And safety's not going to pay for it. Cut it out. Because, it, because, because there's not that much improvement in safety. And if you really want to do safety, then you know how to do it. You know how to put technology in a vehicle such that it can't speed, such that it can't go out of the, the, out of the lane and it won't let you drive it if you've, if you've had too much to drink. That's how you deal with safety. Cut it out. Sure. <laughs> I'm ornery, I guess, now. Sorry. Been hanging around those lions, too. <laughs> Been hanging around. The, oh, they were. It was so neat to sit there and watch two lions playing on, I mean, whatever, rolling on their backs. Cut it out. I, I think. I think Disney structured the whole thing. I don't think they were real. They couldn't have been. Uh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Jalopnik reports, Alan, that Tesla can slash its prices because its cars are so cheap to build. Um, that's that's one piece. And we, we touch on another one here. Electric reports Tesla is seeing unprecedented demand following those price cuts. <laughs> I think. I don't know. I'm glad somebody wrote it. Okay, everybody else says, of course, they're doing it because, uh, I don't know, because uh, the, the, the market is soft. Yes, the, I mean, you got to price along the demand curve. Sure, if the price is too high, fewer people will want it. If you can reduce the price, more people will run. I mean, that's fundamental supply and demand. And guess what? <laughs> I think that, you know, it, it depends what the slopes of the curves are. As they reduce the, reduce the price, the demand goes up even more to make it make up for it. So all the all the derivatives are in the right direction, <laughs> and and you know it's I guess what everybody who's a market leader ends up doing. What do they do, man? They, they sit there and make sure that they unprice the competition because they have the opportunity of scale. The competition who basically produces few hasn't gotten the opportunity to do scale yet. And then you look at the investment that that, that Tesla's made in the gigafactories. Oh my goodness. They they probably if they get those things to run three shifts, they're gonna be the supply is gonna be so great. And if they can drop the price even more and the demand, that's how you beat the competition. Not only that, we've got the government that as of this year has stepped in now with with the $7,500 incentive. If a, if a vehicle costs under 55000 and lo and behold, 
a Model Y long range is now just under $55,000. Yeah, well, of course, you know, everybody does the pricing and plays those games, and yeah, the government's in there, but I don't know (sighs) whether or not the government should be in there promoting electric vehicles is is a whole other question, and you know, you probably know which side I'm I'm on on that one, you know, that's like silly, but whatever. But as far as uh, boosting demand, I mean, cutting the price was one thing, and then the government, once you're under that cap, gives you another 7500 There's going to be a lot I mean, of buyers you know, out there saying this is know, the time. It, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to do that, <laughs> to figure out what the <laughs> heck to do with it, especially when you're sitting there and, and, and you're the market leader and you've built you've built the infrastructure to to take advantage of scale and you haven't even used all that that infrastructure that you've built to take all the advantage of scale and then there are a bunch of other stories out there about how you know they're out there even expanding the infrastructure that that they have and so i don't know i guess seems to me that somebody coming in there and trying to flood this market now whether i'm sure the chinese china can do it if the chinese government just you know pays for it all and produces it all and decides to flood the market okay they can i mean it's it's a country but but you know that's a country against the uh, against the private entity um, I guess countries win when that happens. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so that's maybe a danger, but whatever. There's been some controversy, uh, Alan, surrounding a 2016 video that Tesla used to promote its self-driving technology, citing some testimony in a deposition that's led some to say that, that this video was staged. You have some interesting comments in the, in the newsletter. Well, yeah, every video staged. What somebody isn't out there randomly taking pictures and just throwing that up there on, hey, take a look at this. You know, what promotional video isn't staged, isn't organized? And, geez, I don't know how many promotional videos tell you, oh, my goodness, we had uh, this ended up on on the cutting room floor. You know, I mean, the, the amount of of footage that is taken to produce any promotional video compared to what is contained in that promotional video must probably is, you know, 100 to 1. Okay, they didn't mention that somehow the car, you know, had a little fender bender when it parked itself. Okay, whatever. It's... Yeah. Buyer beware. (laughs) My goodness, every car commercial I watch on TV looks nothing like what happens when I drive anywhere. It's all on roads. There's nobody there. I mean, it's like whatever. And then you go through river beds and up up, uh, great walls and everything is just (laughs) hunky-dory and I don't lose my... Uh, my oil pan and blowout and what? I, come on, you know. I mean, is everybody so naive? Who? 
my goodness. I mean, look at look at the advertising for for gambling. I mean, you know, you really <laughs> guaranteed to win every time I play. Oh, just the first time. I didn't hear about first. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> it, it is interesting. And of course, if people were talking about the, the ad, uh, the whole use of the phrase full self-driving is we've talked about that over and over again. Yeah, we've so. talked about that. And it is really unfortunate. And darn it, if that's the problem, my goodness, you know, you know, pay whoever wants to get money now, give them their money, get out of my face. Let's move on and let's stop calling it full self-driving and, you know, and whatever. But you know, I I guess you'll get to the thing that I have at the absolute bottom, but uh, with respect to Mercedes, I mean, what? Well, let's talk about that. Tell us, uh, tell us about this I piece. Don't know about you know, Mercedes is out there, you know, saying level three is not you know all, all over the country. I mean, I think New York State still you, you can't you're supposed to have a hand on the wheel. I think that's a law in New York State. I don't think they've repealed that, or maybe I missed it used to be a law my goodness i mean as i call it that's that's a real elon musk statement that they have out there which is you know promoting whatever look uh, we know that buyers need to be where you need to read the fine print you need to read the manual you need to be able to to look critically at at things and if the, the, when you look critically at it it still is to your benefit go for it but anybody there are no guarantees in this world <laughs> come on grow up people as we said at the top we have more to share from ces and our friend uh, ken pile at viodi alan ken spoke with richard chung at toyota boshoku yeah. about plans for mobility uh, that's electrified and autonomous. I think people are going to find this interview interesting. Absolutely. It's a very good one and, and has to do with, of course, mobility of, of everybody, especially those that, are, that, are, that have a challenge in one way or another. The right size vehicle for the right application. Well, is that what we're looking at here? Richard, why don't you tell us what Toyota Boshoku is doing? Okay, so uh, my name is Richard Chung. I'm the chief branding officer at Toyota Boshoku. And uh, what we have here is two new concepts for year 2030, uh, ride share and commercial space on wheel. Uh, Toyota Boshoku is a uh, Toyota group company but actually we are the genesis of the Toyota history. Everything started from Toyota Bojoku, and we were in the looming business. And from there, Toyota Motor came out as a spin-off company, and then now, of course, the rest of the history. And we are currently an interior supplier, and so we supply seats and interior to Toyota and Lexus uh, vehicles globally, but also other uh, customers such as BMW and so forth. Looks like you're demonstrating kind of the whole product beyond just the interior. Yeah, so what we're showing here is the scenario of autonomous technology being 
uh, commercially available and becomes a mainstream transportation mode, if you will, or technology by year 2030. Right now, we, we're seeing uh, tested vehicles running around in San Francisco or Phoenix or in, in China. They're rolled out in all the major cities. So by 2030, I think we will see a level four type of rideshare vehicles. What we are doing is we're preparing for that. Vehicles going to run around, but what happens to the inside? Because the consumers are more interested about the experience in the vehicle, not Right. They're going to take for granted the car is going to drive itself. So we wanted to provide to diverse range of customers with the versatility of being able to configure different needs for the consumer experience. Our theme for this vehicle, MX221, is diversatility. So it's a combined word of diversity and versatility. So when we say diversatility, um, we were... In we want to be inclusive of all the consumers. Yeah, I noticed the wheelchair yesterday right on your stand. Correct. So we designed specifically our own wheelchair because today the wheelchairs are pretty much bent pipe construction. And, and in, a, in a vehicle crash situation, it will disagree and integrate. Uh, so what, what you wanted to do is not only get the person in on board, but also keep them safe. Uh, by designing our seat, uh, you, the, the wheelchair based on seat structure. And t today, the automotive seats uh, withstand up to 40 or 50 Gs of impact and still be able to protect the occupant. So based on that, we're uh, designing the wheelchair with our seat structure and then as a basis. And then we put the wheel on with the power motorized uh, wheel uh, so that uh, uh, the user can easily uh, get up to the ramp and get on board. Now, the onboarding process is... Before we get to the onboarding, it seems like that in itself is a revolutionary development. It seems like you'd need to have some level of standardization, ideally, so you could have different manufacturers of wheelchairs, etc. Correct. So what we are proposing is using our uh, patented uh, easy docking system. Uh, so the wheelchair is built in with the seat, seat grade uh, latching system. With uh, combined with our uh, seats in the rear that has uh, the strikers and structure that to withhold and uh, contain the, the seat in, in position. So, would you see though opening that up to the so that you could go with different vehicles, different wheelchairs? Sure. So we of course we want to see this being standardized in, in, the, in the future of all the vehicles, uh, so that the the, the the wheelchair users can move about independently in, with their freedom. So we have had a couple of uh, wheelchair users coming yesterday and uh, they tried it out and saw it and they were in tears because there's such a high pain point uh, that was answered by this solution. So do you have a ramp that comes down as well or? Correct, we have a vehicle um, with a ramp built in. So when, and when the wheelchair user hails the vehicle, uh, it knows obviously and when it stops, it, it will deploy the ramp. Uh, it takes about 30 seconds and then you could go up to the ramp and then into the, the docking system by backing in. Uh, that takes about total two minutes. So today, you know, uh, any wheelchair um, onboarding experience is you know, like 15, 20 minutes of uh, somebody assisting with the anchors and tie downs and so forth. This is completely independent. You could do it on your own without anybody assisting. Do you envision it being low cost enough that it could be put in every vehicle or would it have to be like a one out of ten type thing? Sure, uh, we, obviously we want to make it affordable. Uh, so uh, it would we, you know, it would be competitive to any other motorized uh, wheelchairs, but we want to make it more uh, lightweight and of course uh, stronger uh, and so that and comfortable. Uh, our technology know-how is on the comfort uh, because we are a seating company. 
Uh, so uh, we made it very comfortable for the users to use it not only for mobility but also throughout the day. And I meant the uh, your autonomous vehicle. Would all those be equipped with ramps? Do you envision that, or do you envision one out of ten or something? Yeah, so uh, obviously, there's going to be some costs associated with yeah. that. But because this is a, a rideshare vehicle, so you're not you're not going to own the vehicle. So it's the company that's going to uh, manage the fleet, just like airplanes. So airplane, you know, costs a lot of money, but what you pay as a user uh, individually is is affordable. So and, and what do you envision for this? We haven't gotten in it yet, and I would like to go in it. But is it four, six seats? Uh, it could be uh, up to six, maybe, uh, but also uh, one or two. Uh, so today, you know, 90% of the vehicles uh, are occupied by only one or two persons, 90%. Uh, so it doesn't really have to be that big, but there are occasions that we need to have, you know, more than uh, two per two people. So uh, we have uh, uh, what we call tailored space system, and the entire interior module slide out to the back end of the vehicle and then can be reconfigured with different modules. So we have different levels of experience. So like an airplane, you have a first class to business class to economy. Sure. Uh, same thing, you know, you have same vehicle and then you have different grades of experience that you can demand. So when you hail, you could specify business class at the service uh, hub, uh, it will change from economy to business class in a you know, less than five minutes. And then you can so literally like a modular. It is modular. Yeah, modular swapping uh, system. Wow. Uh, not only that, the seats are also modular. Uh, so seat back, seat cushion, the armrest and uh, headrest, all the surfaces that come in contact with the con occupants uh, can be easily replaced. So that if it's damaged or soiled or uh, you know or, or cont you know, contaminated, uh, it can be easily changed by the service providers. So that it really enhances the overall user experience. Uh, instead, you know, because always everybody is concerned about, oh, is this clean enough for me? But you know, it, it is a lot more manageable uh, to provide a clean air, not only the surface. Okay, so there's uh, air purification and so we forth. Have, we have a HVAC system that purifies the air, deodorize, filter, and also kills the bacteria. Uh, we have a built-in UVC lamp uh, system, so that within the containment of the HVAC system, it kills all the bacteria and viruses, provides the clean air to the occupants. And I would imagine there's in-camera cabins and so forth for safety and that sort of thing. Right. So we have cabin monitoring camera system as well as a, a biometric sensor system uh, built into the seat. So we're monitoring their heartbeat and their uh, we're thermal condition of the body and then expression as well. So uh, by having these inputs, we can figure out that if this person is com uh, having a discomfort or motion sickness or having a heart attack uh, so that we can provide the right type of uh, countermeasures uh, for their comfort. That's incredible and of course it's an electric uh, future with this vehicle right? Yeah so of course we are assuming that this is going to be based on EV architecture. Mm -hmm. Obviously we're going to have a flat floor. The connectivity uh, that's going to be available in the car architecture uh, obviously will work in sync with our system. Excellent well it, it looks like the future literally looks like the future and, and and i assume that you could also as part of the modules configure it to deliver boxes not just bottoms uh sure so uh we also imagine this type of vehicle can be configured for delivery as well as uh transporting uh humans now on the uh to my right which is to your left is a MOOCs concept and it's what we call x on wheel so x means anything it's going to be vehicle that has all the sort of a commercial space, right? So instead of going to shops or restaurants or offices or karaoke, they will come to you. So we have configured this time, uh, this is a 3.5 version. So we have done third and a half version. 
uh, is a wellness space. Uh, so what that is, is if you're in a living in a, a city full of stress, uh, well, you can travel in our MOOCs and then actually it will measure your stress level and then uh, do some uh, experience that will calm your uh, stress down and then recover and then have some uh, fun in the vehicle. Excellent. Well, this is a fun show and it's all about fun, but it's also about helping people have a better exactly. quality of life. So it looks that's like right. you're on that path. Thank you very much. And we are, that's our vision to really serve our um, technology to serve the, the society. Yeah. Excellent. Richard, thank you. Thank you. We again want to thank uh, Ken, Ken Pyle at Viodi, V-I-O-D-I dot com. Look for Viodi on YouTube. Uh, Alan, this has been a great 300th podcast. I know. <laughs> I guess I was a little ornery. People you know, probably very unhappy with me. But seriously, um, you know, this technology, um, we've been at it for some time. Uh, you know, trying to automate uh, roadways at least since 1939 and, and doing it with with in-vehicle technology at least since, you know, 2005 or so. And, um, and yes, uh, in terms of uh, systems that really um, are, are assisting drivers and making driving more comfortable and, um, and also actually intervening in situations uh, we've made enormous progress we still have a, a, a ways to go uh, the in integration of automated emergency braking system with intelligent cruise control and, and lane keeping is, is hasn't been those two things haven't been integrated yet hopefully they'll be integrated soon everybody seems to be coming out with chipsets uh, that have sufficient uh, computing power and uh, uh, consume um, uh, energy appropriately such that um, the computations can be done and they can help us um, continuously as we travel. All those things are, are very close on the horizon. Um, whether or not uh, they'll provide the mobility uh, to everyone uh, and, and not require folks to drive, but just to ride, um, um, we still have a ways to go. We're not making all that good progress yet. Um, it's been a struggle. The problem is very challenging, especially if one is, tries to do it in uh, too many places. Uh, so one has to be very picky choosy on that one. Uh, private land, private property, great. Um, on public roads, when you just have the public out there and who knows to what extent they're intervening and and really uh, trying to make it difficult let alone just acting normally very challenging and so um we still have a lot of work to do and uh the plans are underway for the next uh smart driving car summit as well right yep uh putting it together uh you know in the um, uh, latter part of may we're going to be back and we're going to do it again and and um, well, that, you know, hopefully we'll be able to talk about progress and opportunities. 
That's the goal. Well, our thank you to CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, for helping to make this podcast possible. CARTS is a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to safe and high-quality mobility for all. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Amazon, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you turn to for podcasts. Smart speakers can play us, too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching all 300 episodes, and please continue to stay safe. Wow. (laughs) Been a great ride, Fred. 